Well, guys, so on my screen, Amit is frozen, uh, but I'm not sure if that's the same for everyone else. So, tell you what, let me, can you hear me? You're back. I am back. There we go. Okay. Can you hear me, Andrew? Can you hear you? Can you hear me? Yes, all good. It's weird. So I just literally switched it off and then put it back on again and it all seemed to work. Yeah. Haircut stopping traffic, but it's also breaking the internet as well. This is true. I've uh, yeah, had a fresh, fresh chop. Um, so yeah, 2020, time for a midlife crisis. Can't afford a Porsche this year. So just went for a, for a big haircut instead. <laughs> Johnny Bravo comments on some social media posts today. I know, it's it's not, it's not, yes, I'm, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. From your epic cut, how's your week been? Um, yeah, pretty good. Just busy, actually. Pretty full on. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty strong. About yourself? Yeah. Busy one. Obviously, I'm down at Nick's HQ today as well. Uh, yeah. Slightly different look because I decided to elevate my desk today. So tired of kind of sitting down, you know, so I decided to elevate my desk and uh, a slightly different, slightly different backdrop, I guess, this time, um, you know, different point as it were. Interesting. There we go. Awesome. So cool. So just people are dropping in now. So uh, guys, welcome to the show. Episode 20 today, Andrew. Feel special. He shows in, yeah? Yeah, it's 20, 20, uh, yeah, the 20th one today. So um, I think that's also the point where we have to stop worrying about have we worn this shirt before, have we not? Um, I think we're beyond that point now, right? I'm, what I'm doing is I'm playing with the lighting. So I've worn this shirt a couple of times before, but with the clever use of lighting, it looks like a different color and a different pattern. <laughs> Brilliant. All right, awesome. So actually what we've got is a few more people jumping in. Awesome. Um, so we've got a really good show today. I'm again super excited as ever um, about about what we're going to be talking about. And I think it's you know I think when we were kind of trying to figure out um, you know a what today's show is going to be about and then b you know who could we kind of bring on to really I don't know really kind of hammer home the that, the point that we were trying to make. Uh, we couldn't really think of anyone better than David because. You know, I guess what he's what he's doing out here, uh, and I think you, you know, when we were talking when we were talking about it earlier, I think the way you described it was perfect, just in terms of, you know, how many kind of genuine disruptors are there, uh, you know, in, in the local market. You get a lot of companies that are doing new things, but those new things sometimes are things that other people have done elsewhere, right? And um, and I think what David's doing is really interesting on that in that respect because you know, genuinely, it's not happening elsewhere. So. So we'll let him kind of talk about that. But anything else you want to kind of say, Andrew? I did see your LinkedIn post earlier. Timing is uh, the timing is quite interesting. So obviously it's uh, it's inbound today. They kicked off in the states um, ordinarily that, that we'd be over there. Um, but it was it was kind of um, Brian Halligan last year that was talking about you know disruptive industries, right? And when we talk about the disruption in traditional industries, talking about things like Airbnbs of the world you know, like the Deliveroo's, you know, one of the local ones we thought about here was Katu, for example, that fuel delivery. Um, and those are the ones that are real trailblazing. Those those guys that offer 
a frictionless, um, you know, smoothless uh, engagement. And and I think that's so timing is, is is kind of, you know, at the forefront, really. And I think obviously with a lot of people at the moment, organizations pivoting, some organizations looking to, you know, change their activity or, or potentially individuals that are looking to start something themselves. I think not only do we have that kind of, um, you know, uh, individual that has managed to go out there and, and, and really smash this, but, but that entrepreneurial, uh, you know, entrepreneurial spirit lives lives pretty strong in him as well. Um, and obviously, he's going to be the best person to, to talk about that. And in all honesty, I mean, I think we'll just be quiet now for an hour while while David, uh, for those who even know David, uh, will quite easily hold the room uh, for the next hour. So I think, yeah, I've been excited about uh, inviting him on the show today because, uh, you know, when we, could, we couldn't genuinely think of anyone else that, that, that fits the bill so well um, uh, for, for the show's topic today. Yeah, absolutely. And guys, um, David, if you want to come on um, and see if we can get your camera and mic on. There we go. On cue. Um, Good afternoon. Guys, if you do have questions, um, I've got to get this in now before David starts talking. And then I was not get out. But if you do have any, uh, any questions that you want to kind of uh, ask, uh, any points you want to make, use the Q&A button at the bottom of your screens, um, or the chat, which will whatever, whatever works for you. So welcome, David. Thank you very much. That's quite an intro. Quite an intro indeed. I was, uh, I was tearing up. Thank you. I know you don't mean any of that, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. How are you fellas doing? You okay? Yeah, very good. Good, good. Glad to hear it. Very good. Okay. Um, so, David, do you want to tell us? I mean, before we kind of dig into the uh, dig into the, the kind of contractors direct and, and and how that all came about, do you want to give us a kind of bit of the uh, the David backstory, um, how we kind of found ourselves here today? Yeah, sure. I think um, I'll I'll keep it uh, device centric. Uh, otherwise, I'll, the the hour will go very very quickly. Um, but I've been in Dubai now for twelve years, and uh, up until. November 2019, um, I was running a project management consultancy called Project Partners. And uh, Project Partners was, was a, essentially, it was a hardcore project management consultancy um, managing commercial interiors. So offices, restaurants, retail shops, etc. And um, how, uh, how we ended up, uh, I suppose, uh, where we are today um, was simply that uh, over a period of time, having been exposed to uh, the commercial construction industry, we realized that there was um, a very uh, severe lack of um, standards uh, and quality contractors. Uh, there are good quality contractors out there. Of course, they're all hosted on the Contractors Direct platform now, but, um, but trying to get access to them was, was really, really tough. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we started off uh, as a one-man band. So I should say I started off as a one-man band. Um, and then we grew to two, to four, to eight. Um, we weren't really that profitable and didn't really have anything to, um, you know, uh, I suppose, sing and dance about it until about four years in. Uh, four years into uh, running the project management consultancy, we were um, considered profitable, uh, i.e. our revenue exceeded our expenditure, which was great. Uh, and then that really gave us the opportunity and afforded us the opportunity to be able to grow at the speed um, that uh, you know an avid entrepreneur would want to see their business to grow. And, um, and yeah, the, at the end of 2018, uh, 
how it all kind of like the whole contractors direct thing started. At the end of 2018, we called back all the clients that, that we had lost, um, just to just to you know find out the, the main reason why uh, we were unsuccessful. And a lot of those clients were opting to not uh, employ a, a project management consultant at all, which is very dangerous, uh, especially as often there are millions of dirhams and dollars at stake. Um, and it just boiled down to affordability. Um, a lot of these clients, you know, they had a predefined budget. They couldn't go uh, outside of that budget. And, uh, you know, they were lucky to get the, the, the fit out within that budget, let alone any consultancy fees. So what I wanted to do, being the humanitarian that I am and wanting to help, you know, fellow entrepreneurs and business owners, um, I wanted to build uh, an, a marketplace, not to cheapen it, but I wanted to build a marketplace where um, we, could, we could house the, the, the good contractors of the UAE um, and then allow businesses access to it absolutely FOC. Um, you know, you don't even need to, to register an account and validate your email address or anything like that. It was literally similar to a property portal. You know, you, you put in the property that you want to search for, you click search, and then obviously they, they, they all come up. Um, and we decided to do the same, but with a, a significant difference. Um, we made sure that each one of the contractors that were going to be listed uh, passed the rigorous due diligence tests uh, and process that, that we had put in place. So we would know with a certain amount uh, or a degree of certainty that even if we weren't looking, that client would be in safe hands. Um, and uh, my, my instinct, uh, I suppose, served me correctly, if I can say that, um, because the, the platform, uh, even in the, the beta testing phase, um, went bananas to the point where all of our project managers, we were, all of our resources were spent we physically couldn't manage any more projects. And so we ended up partnering with another project management consultancy that eventually then acquired project partners in the early days. So the project management consultancy was called Project Partners. Um, that was then acquired at the tail end of 2019. That then gave me the opportunity to focus wholeheartedly on uh, developing and fine tuning the platform with your good selves. No, so does, that, does that give you a yeah. bit of the backstory? No, it does. It does. Thanks, Dave. And, and honestly, I think it's been it's been it's been unbelievable because I think you know we've we've obviously been working together you know with this project for a while now, but but just seeing that progress firsthand, um, and I was you know at the speed and the speed at which it's all happening, I think is is really kind of remarkable. But I think let's let's just go back a little bit. I mean, I, you know, I think I think what's important here is. Um, you know, how, how big was that challenge, right? How big was the problem that you were trying to fix? Because, you know, I know you mentioned that, you know, people couldn't afford project managers and, and uh, you know, and that was causing problems, but, but actually what was the consequence of them not having project managers in place or someone looking after, uh, looking after these kind of office fit? And it's, is it just like office fit outs or all kind of commercial fit outs? So there's a couple of questions in there. Um, I think that the most important thing is that, that, that um, you know, the, the, the typical, you know, business owner, they're, they're specialists and they're, they're experts in their field. Um, you know, they, they don't necessarily understand anything and, you know, they shouldn't about um, a commercial fit out. So it's offices, restaurants, retail, hospitality, right the way down to full scale construction. Um, you know, they make their money by being experts in what they do. 
um, and we were making our money by being experts in what we do. The, the, the challenge was is that there, there still is very little information online that, that allows people um, to even be able to carry out their own due diligence on contractors. Um, and even the articles and videos that are available on the market or, or on YouTube um, that, that help um, identify the key elements of due diligence, um, you still need to know what you're looking for. You know, so for, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, so our due diligence typically on, on surface, um, you know, on the surface is validating the paperwork, first of all. So making sure the trade licenses in date and the activities that the contractor needs to undertake are actually listed on there as well, making sure they're covered from an insurance perspective. We then interview five clients from the last 12 months, and we really dig down deep and try to get an understanding of the profile of the, the contractor and how they, they treat their clients and interact with their clients. But the, 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 the one telling thing that really sets the contractor apart is the site visit. So we actually do two site inspections of a completed job. Now, when we are doing that uh, site inspection, yes, we're looking for quality workmanship, um, you know, the right application of material. But what we're really doing is, is also honing in on, did the contractor really install what the client has paid for? Which, which you would not believe, and, and it's not regional, you know, it is very much a global issue, challenge. Um, you would not believe the amount of projects that we inspected. The contractor did so well up to this point. And then we do the inspection and you're like, hang on, wait here. This is supposed to be, you know, an American brand carpet with, you know, that's anti-stain 25 year warranty, um, uh, carbon neutral. And this carpet is not that, you know, it's, did you agree that you were going to downspec the carpet? Well, actually, no, I didn't, but it's the only one available at the time. You know, and, and even down to, you know, it sounds ridiculous, but partition system. So the partition system that we've got in here allows me to have a private conversation in here that's not heard by anybody else. But we paid extra to have that. And a lot of clients also pay for the extra of these, you know, fundamentals like law firms, for example. They need the opportunity to have private conversations. Um, but unfortunately, what was actually installed was an inferior product that allowed the contractor to make the extra margin. But unfortunately, the quality of product is no longer fit for purpose. So a lot of contractors fell down there. Um, so as far as the, uh, the, the scale of the problem we were solving, I thought that we had probably bitten off more than we could chew. By the time we had got to about three months into carrying out the due diligence, because it, 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 was, it was our investment in, in helping the wider community. We paid for the development of you know, this platform. We paid for the resource to be able to carry out the due diligence as well. And at that point, there was no real monetization. It was, hey guys, it's free. Um, you know, but reach out to us if you need project management. Um, but, but essentially, what, what uh, I forgot where I was going with this. Hang on, oh, the scale of the problem we solved, sorry. Um, so if, if someone employs, if you think about just quickly circling back around to the budget, if you've got a million dollar budget and there is a contractor that you fail to carry out due diligence on, but he carries a glossy brochure, um, and he's got a wonderful website, um, and they, they managed to come in at $995,000, you think, right, brilliant. I'm, I'm actually going to pursue this. 
Um, unfortunately, what happens in a lot of instances is that that quotation is missing a lot of things. Um, not only is it missing a lot of things, sometimes um, what the client has requested from a performance perspective, if we use a meeting room as an example, um, what is being proposed by the contractor isn't actually fit for purpose. So in the event that that project may get finished in under a million dollars, it's not actually fit for purpose because there will be portions and elements of that project that cannot fulfill the requirements that that space, is, that, uh, that space needs. But let's, let's have a look at the other end of the spectrum. So let's say you appoint that contractor for $995,000. If there are things missing on their proposal or uh, throughout the, uh, you know, as you go through the project, the, the, the contractor flags, oh, hey, by the way, you wanted a soundproof room? Oh yeah, we didn't quote for that. That's gonna be an extra 40,000, 50,000, $100,000. You know, that's when it becomes really, really difficult because the budget is often the budget. And, and you just cannot, um, you know, in a lot of instances, go, go above that number. You know, if you, if you go above that number, it, it creates a, an awful lot of issues from an internal approval standpoint. Or if you're a local company and you have only one branch and no regional headquarters with extra cash, you're stuffed. So as far as the scale of the, the problem that we solve, I think it's significant because we address the, 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 the quality issue. We address the performance issue and we address the accessibility issue as well. So nobody who needs a contractor should ever have the excuse, I didn't know where to find them. I think the biggest challenge that we've got now is, is trying to get our um, message to market in a, in a very effective way to the, to, to the right people. That's something that we're, you know, that we're very mindful of and, and, and trying, to, uh, trying to work through. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've had in the very short space of time that, that we've been um, operating, um, you know, we've had some of the world's biggest brands, um, you know, and we're talking, you know, like the head of international real estate, um, you know, the, the, the head of procurements, government departments, you know, just recently, um, last week, we had one of um, the seniors at a, a government entity in one of the other Emirates use the platform to find five contractors that could deliver basically the equivalent of three football pitches of commercial real estate. So I'm, I'm super, super stoked that people are actually seeing the value. Um, I think that the challenge is, or the challenge was, is that similar to Stella Artois, it's reassuringly expensive. You know, you can't really buy, for example, a German car below this number, but you could buy a Japanese car, for example. And it's the same with contractors. You know, you need to be willing or open to the, the, the notion that quality does cost and that you, you are going to be probably spending 10, you know, 10, maybe even 15% more, depending on the size of the project, by opting for quality and security rather than cheap and insecurity. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it certainly wasn't an easy task. I mean, I'll get, just to throw some numbers at you. For us to get 20, so I thought, let's just get 20 qualified contractors and, and that will be enough for me to feel comfortable that we can launch. To get 20, we had to put over 70 contractors through due diligence. 
And, and, and I mean, just to get 20, it took three months. So by the time you factor in, not just the development cost, but the resource cost to, to get those 20, and those 20 were pretty much exhausted three, three, you know, two to three months in because they were getting all of the traffic. Um, <clears throat> and it was at that point that it was almost the rubber stamp. This market has got a, a big challenge with quality, you know? So I'm glad, I'm glad we persevered. Um, you know, yes, it took longer than we thought. And yes, it, it cost more than what we thought as well. But the end result is, you know, I get to sleep at night thinking I've done something good for the business owners of the UAE. We've solved a significant problem, maybe not 100% of it, but if you're using a contractor's not direct contractor, you're a, a, a long way uh, ahead or, you know, or much further ahead as far as uh, project security is concerned. I think that really helps, David. But, you know, it, just, just a couple of questions, I think, on the back of that, though. Um, you know, the industry, you know, contractors.direct being set up, I mean, the alternative previously for, you know, people looking for office fit-out contractors or, or whatever they were looking for was essentially to go direct, right? So it would be a one-to-one -one kind of relationship or would they typically have gone through project managers? Um, what would they have done, you know, previously if, if contractors direct didn't exist, if that wasn't so, the medium? Sure. Um, that's, a, that's a good question, actually, because in the vast majority of instances, if you think about it, um, the, the, the most common denominator when anybody is, is buying or, or leasing a commercial space is the real estate agency themselves. Um, and a lot of the real estate companies here do have um, arrangements um, and incentives with fit-out companies, um, whereby they just say, okay, listen, you know, uh, moving forward, we get you know, 10 clients a month. I'll send those clients across to you. I'll introduce them. Um, and you know, you pay us a, a finder's fee or a kickback, whatever you want to call it. Um, usually it was all above board. There would be a contract, invoice, receipts, etc. But unfortunately, the, the, even that real estate company um, or those real estate companies, should I say, they, they fail to carry out any form of due diligence or quality, quality checks on those contractors. So whilst they feel that they may be, you know, providing an additional service to, to their clients, actually what they're doing is potentially setting them up for a fall. They may have done a great job on the real estate side of things, got the extra parking spaces, you know, got the four checks instead of one, but then they, they, they you know, introduce them to, uh, you know, this wonderfully polished, you know, business development manager that, that represents this, this company with a fantastic website but a dreadful ability to be able to execute. Um, and that was, you know, again, one of the biggest issues. And, and you know, to, unfortunately, a lot of those real estate companies and, and the people that represent, represent those real estate companies, and it's not all, by the way, it's definitely not all. There are some super, you know, kind of like above board um, people, real estate professionals out there. But unfortunately, a lot of them, they actually just don't care. All they care about is the client appointing the contractor, the contractor paying the fee into them. Because, you know, at the end of the day, Dubai is not a cheap place to live, um, you know, with, uh, with the real estate market being what it is and, and what it has been for the last two years, let's face it. Um, a lot of people in and around the commercial real estate sector, especially if they're, they're, they're working in the leasing side, it is almost unsustainable to rely on just the fees and commissions 
that you receive as a, a real estate broker doing small commercial leases. So I understand why they, they do this, but what I just wish they would do is care a little bit more about the, the after, after service of the, the real estate portion, you know? Introduce them to contractors to give a damn. Introduce them to contractors that have proven that they're capable of delivering projects of that size, nature, and those budgets. But unfortunately, to get to that point, it does take time. And it does take know-how, which unfortunately a lot of the real estate people don't have and don't have any information to have. You know, so, so in some respects, you were kind of, um, you know, you help obviously helping to provide much kind of needed clarity around the different service providers. Um, but David, obviously, you know, there's revenue that you're generating and that sort of comes from somewhere as well, right? So, and I'm, I'm assuming that perhaps it's, um, you know, the, the contractors themselves, you've got obviously some sort of commercial arrangement in there. How do you have that conversation with them? Because, you know, in, and, and I guess, Andrew, we've, we've worked with different contractors directly in the past, right? In terms of you know, either helping them with digital campaigns or websites and, you know, I guess, you know, today by having some sort of, you know, middleman, uh, for want of a better term, um, you know, are you potentially, you know, taking money away from them? Um, are, you know, are you kind of complicating the process? Were there any kind of obstacles, you know, on the back of that yeah. when you're having conversations with these contractors? So the most difficult conversations with contractors came with those ones that unfortunately didn't meet the criteria. Um, Anybody that's known me for any decent length of time knows that I hate conflict. I hate confrontation, especially when I'm the one that has to give and deliver that news. But actually, when you reframe it and, and you convince yourself um, or believe that actually what you're doing, the information you're giving is providing value because you, you're showing them in a, in a structured report format where they're falling short of, of our quality standards. It kind of makes the whole situation better. I think the challenge is, is when you see that they are not doing so well um, and that they saw this as an opportunity to, to get lots of leads. But, but to, to go back to the, the, the other question. Uh, so, sorry, just, so, so sorry. as far as, so just on that, have there been any of those contractors that you kind of went through this phase, you've given them the report, and they've actually pulled their socks up and have now kind of, you know, been, yes. been privileged enough to be on the platform. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and in fact, it, it's only one. Um, but that, that one person, you know, they, they still are a relatively small contractor as far as internal resources concerned. I think they're probably up to 20 staff now. Um, but they, they fell in, this, in November last year. So we gave them a full report and said, look, these are the areas that, that you fell short. Um, and, and if I don't name the contracting, I can tell you where they fell short. So they fell short in communication. So when we interviewed the five previous clients from the last 12 months, um, they were constantly swapping out project managers. Um, when the project manager was on the job, um, he uh, or she actually um, didn't have all of the information to hand. It was always, let me check, let me check, let me check. Um, a couple of the projects finished late. There was a variation that the client felt that should have been the contractor's cost and not the other way around. Anyway, they scored low 70s and the pass mark is 80. And so we said, listen, this, this is the main area of focus. My recommendation to you would be this, this, and this. Because when we call back in six months time, so that's the window that we have to leave it. When we call back 
your new set of clients, if you address just these two or three things, then I will get a completely different response. Because it was never about the quality. And it was never about the, um, uh, so it was the, no, not even the customer service. It was, it was almost always. So one was time, um, and then the others were communication. And communication, bloody hell. There are four apps on my phone, you know, that, that take, you can send voice notes, photos, text, you know, images. It takes seconds. How are people still failing at communication? It blows my mind. So, um, so yeah, we, we officially onboarded them about three weeks ago and, and they've won their first couple of small projects as well. So, yeah, I'm feeling pretty pleased about that. Um, but as far as, as far as the value that we add, so one thing uh, just to bear in mind is that the team that sit here, we're all ex-project professionals. So yes, it's a tech platform, but it's not like we've, we've built this you know, cool tech search platform with no product knowledge of what we're selling. It was the other way around. We've got this extensive product knowledge and experience. We just needed a way to get it to market to the masses. So, and a lot of the contractors that we were approaching knew who contract, uh, sorry, who project partners was, were. They knew who I was, they, they know the team. So it made it very easy. When, um, when project partners got acquired, up to that point, our revenue was predominantly project management fees. So the retainers and, and the project fees, et cetera. And so when project partners got acquired, we needed to have a look at an alternative um, revenue model that suited the business that we were building. And the, the, the best way for us to do that, and we, we're still fine tuning it, but the best way for us to do that, number one, it was imperative we had to keep it free for people that needed the contractors because we didn't want to put any hurdles or barriers in the way. So the only, the only way that we would be able to remunerate was if we were going to somehow pass a fee on to the contractor. Now, we thought about joining fees, subscription fees. We thought about all of those. But the issue was, it's a brand new business. It's a brand new model. It wasn't even, it, there was no other reference overseas that I could say, hey, this is what we're building. This is how much you can expect. So we decided, uh, and again, thankfully, you know, we had the, the bank balance to be able to do this. But we decided to not charge the contractors anything until they'd won. So it's almost like uh, real estate. If you've ever sold a house here, you sign a contract with uh, the real estate broker and you don't pay them a bean until they've actually sold your house. And when they do sell, sell your house, you're over the moon and you pay them the 2%. So we operate in a very similar fashion. However, the difference between what we do um, versus, you know, that scenario with a real estate broker is we now are the gatekeepers for the contractors. Because what we found was when we went to market, we started the radio ads and the Google pay-per-click, there were a lot of salespeople trying to sell carpet and lights into these contractors, a lot of job seekers. And <clears throat> we thought, well, hey, we, you know, we are super experienced um, when it comes to uh, you know, projects, commercial projects. What if we were going to screen and pre-qualify every single opportunity that comes through? So if ever you submit an inquiry to contact a contractor, it comes to us first, we validate it, 
and then we ping it across to the contractor. So the only time a contractor gets an email from us or an SMS or a WhatsApp, SMS, bloody hell, or a WhatsApp, they know that it's a qualified lead that's been qualified by industry professionals. So, and it's super hot. We've already told the client this contract is calling. So essentially through our digital marketing, through your good selves, through all of our other uh, routes to market, these contractors are saving a ton of cash on their own advertising and marketing. They're saving a ton of cash on a, a, a business development resource um, or a couple of business development resources. So when it comes to having the conversation and you say, hey, Mr. Contractor, here are some stats from the last quarter. We had you know, 150 inquiries. Um, of those 150 inquiries, 75 of them turned into paid business. Um, for your market segment, you would have been included in 15 of those, for example. It's a very easy conversation because it's quantifiable. You can you know, essentially say to them, what would those 15 inquiries mean to you and your profit? Because what we can do is you know, do the marketing, do the pre-qualification and send it straight over to you for the close. Obviously that's a very simplified process. Yeah. Um, and, and not one contractor said no, because everybody saw this as an opportunity to um, either keep resource where, they, where, where it is, especially you know, uh, if, if they were planning to hire for extra you know, business development or you know, reinvest in uh, you know, billboard ads or whatever elaborate things these guys do, they now needed to do none of that. It almost didn't matter that their name was not found in a, you know, in a Google search because ours was. People were actually hearing us on the radio, seeing us on LinkedIn, various different, you know, like award ceremonies and, and, and all the rest of it. And so people were coming to us and then we were directing the clients to the contractors. So that was actually a relatively easy, you know, conversation. Does that answer the question? Yeah, it does. It does. Actually, it's interesting because again, you know, when, when people talk about kind of disruption and, and companies that are kind of disruptive by nature, again, we, you know, we're seeing it right now with the restaurant industry where you've got, you know, your deliveries and, and, and the likes who are basically, you know, now facilitating essentially was, you know, what was a, you know, a cost saving exercise for restaurants until they realized that actually we now no longer know who our customers are. You know, we're losing, you know, X, Y, and Z, and we're giving away 30% of our revenue on the back of it, whatever it is. And, and so it's interesting, but I think in, 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 well, perhaps even B2B specifically, where actually people do kind of welcome those kinds of uh, relationships, right? You know, people that can genuinely save, save money. And, and, and the nature of B2B is that that touch point is always going to end up being with those two customers, right? Which I think is slightly different yeah. um, to other industries. So no, it, it explains it well. But you know, on one side, David, you know, you've you've got your contractors all happy. You know, they they love it. You know, this only works, and they're only happy if they're getting business, right? And and so I guess the other side of the fence is okay. Well, what what's that kind of customer appetite? You know, from a um, you know from someone wanting a fit out perspective. You know, what what is it that they value? Um, yeah. And and. You know what, what we do maybe as a as a follow up to that is is actually what's changed in the last six months, right? Because yeah, you know, there's a lot of conversations that are happening about you know, do we even need offices anymore? So uh, we'll we'll touch on that after this, but just you know, just from that fun point, I mean, what 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 has 
been that sort of customer appetite for for this? Um, so the, I think the challenge that that we faced um, first of all, before I come on to that, the challenge that we faced was that it was again a brand new business. Um, everybody understood the concept of of search platforms, um, but no one had ever only because it wasn't available, used a platform to search for contractors before. Certainly not ones that, that were qualified. The, the, the plus point that we have um, is there's a number of benefits of using contractors direct, but when people actually come to the platform, they realize that actually um, their, their criteria for the organization they work with might require them to get five proposals. Now, it's a lot easier to go to one platform, tick five boxes, fill out your information once and click send. So that's gonna get all of your details out to five contractors. But these aren't just any contractors. Those contractors will be specific to the search term that that person has, has input on the home screen. So there's five and they're specific. But not only are they specific, I know I've, I harp on about it, but these guys have been, you know, they've jumped through a thousand hoops to prove that they're good enough to, to, for us to, you know, I suppose, represent them and, and vice versa. So the, the, the beautiful thing uh, about how, how this all, the, 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 the economics, I suppose, is that nobody comes to us ever for just one. I don't know one person um, that has ever gone to market and said, hey, I'm gonna use Google, I'm gonna search for a contractor and I only need one. And then the first one, you know, and they appoint them. Almost everybody wants at least three, but often the number you need is five. Um, quite often the contractors that you find on Google are not specific for the project that you need. So that then becomes a waste of time for one reason or another. So <clears throat> it, it did catch like wildfire. Thankfully, we didn't, do that, we didn't need to do that much market education. With our radio advertising being very, very specific um, and cleverly worded, people understood very quickly that within three clicks, and in under 60 seconds, they can fulfill the procurement requirements as far as interior designers, fit out furniture, IT and security, everything that they needed, they could find that on, on contractors.direct. Um, but the one thing um, that has now turned into possibly a bigger USP than the qualified contractors themselves, um, and this kind of um, circles back around to your second point, and it's about how has things changed in the last six months. CapEx has completely disappeared. So having spoken to a number of real estate professionals for, for a lot of the, the big international companies, um, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no secret, you know, there, there's very little liquidity in the market at the moment. Um, and whatever liquidity there is, people seem to want to sit on it and, and hold it and understandably so. So uh, and then, and then when, you, when you think about from a, a Stellar Artois standpoint that our contractors are reassuringly expensive, it doesn't mean that they're not good value. They're actually exceptional value for the product that they are delivering. So what I, want, what I was very mindful of, especially during the pandemic, um, I kept, uh, I suppose, a, um, uh, and we still do, in fact, Amit, you're on there, um, a networking group. So this networking group, um, is all business owners, typically business owners of 10 years and a, uh, a plus, um, and typically they would be heavyweights, you know, masters or experts in their field. And, you know, very frequently I would reach out to one or all in a group format and, and just pose questions and scenarios and get the feedback. 
And there was one person in particular um, who uh, I, I would like to thank actually, his name is Lee uh, from Support Legal. Um, he's probably given me about 20 hours worth of his time and not charged me. In, in fact, the invoice may very well be lost in the post, but um, I'm gonna say thank so, you now because he, he, he was, at, oh my God, he was an absolute legend. Anyway, one of the things that he was noticing from the research he and his team were doing was um, the liquidity in the market is basically gonna be down to zero simply because um, the UAE, um, their support, financial support for SMEs and businesses was nothing like Europe. Um, and so whatever cash you had in the bank in February, the vast majority of companies needed to make that last till July. And very few companies could boast that they had that much cash in the account without making significant differences, uh, alterations. So I thought to myself, I had a chat with um, a friend of mine that works for EY, <clears throat> Ernst & Young, and I said, listen, what, what is your view? What's your opinion on this? And he said, quite simply, David, in the UAE, access to finance or project finance or anything of that nature is, is very, very difficult. Um, if, you're, if you're lucky enough that your business qualifies for it, it's very expensive. And of course, the ramifications are massive if you're unable to give it the repayments. He said the first company that can come to the market with a solution that allows people to spread the cost of their fit out over a, a, an elongated period of time will win. He said it's not a case that people don't have the money. Some people genuinely won't have the money, um, but, he, but he said, but some people will have the money, they just won't want to spend it. Because to go from a million dollar bank balance and, and have the comfort to know that you've got X amount of months of operating to zero, you, you put yourself at massive risk. So they choose not to move. So I thought, I'm sure I've solved a bigger problem than this. I'm sure I can find someone that can, you know, back the financing of the fit out and, and all the rest of it. Let's fast forward a bit because, uh, we're running out of time. Um, but ultimately, um, I reached out to our friends at Beehive. So Beehive do peer-to-peer -peer lending, and historically, they've only really gone up to a million dirhams. But to really capture the market, I needed that to be a million dollars. So I said to, to um, Peter at Beehive, you know, I said, well, what have we got to do to get that up to a million dollars? You know, and he's like, God, that's, that's, a, you know, that's a big stretch. That's essentially three and a half times what we've been used to doing historically, but it's not impossible. So fast forward three months, we're now the only company in the region, not just the UAE, the company in the region where if our clients select a contractor from contractors.direct, they may get the opportunity to spread the entire cost of their fit out over three years. So essentially, the scenario I gave you earlier about that, that company wanted to keep the million dollars in their account for cash flow, they can still keep it because Beehive will essentially back the contractor and give uh, and essentially settle the, the, the build cost. And the client can then pay back Beehive over three years. But what's even cooler is that because they're monthly payments and it would take four to five months for the project to be finished, we can even, the first six months, just interest only so we've even addressed that side of things so it's a three-year term it's up to a million dollars which just to give you a, a, um, a an indication of how big that is it's it's about 10,000 square feet which is 80 to 100 people so it's, it's more than 90 percent of the businesses that are registered in the UAE
So we've literally, we, we took all of that. And now all of a sudden, our reassuringly expensive contractors that give significant security have now become a hell of a lot more affordable. So there is literally no reason for any project to fail in the UAE anymore. Because if they come through us, you've got the qualified contractors, you know, you've got the project management element as well if the, the client wants us to manage the project through 360. Um, and now they can, they can OPEX the cost of the project as well. Yeah. And the, what was cool about that was um, obviously it attracted quite a lot of attention to the point where um, we now have an exclusive collaboration agreement with the DMCC. So that's the world's number one free zone. Um, so essentially, from a value perspective, everything that we are, they can now give to all DMCC clients. So that's a massive USP for them over the competition. In addition to that, there's now been an opportunity um, that's arisen in Saudi Arabia. And also randomly, Kazakhstan. Like, if someone had said to me, two, even two weeks ago, write out the top 30 countries where you would like to take contractors.direct, Kazakhstan wouldn't have been on there. I don't know enough about it. But lo and behold, you find yourself in the Capital Club, opposite a very interesting person that you've not seen for a hell of a long time. He's doing something cool with AIFC and DIFC. And then you find yourself transporting everything that you've got here to set up um, a solution for Kazakhstan's version of the DIFC. Now, that's, you know, that's not until Q1. But ultimately, you know your... All I ever wanted to do whenever I decided to go into business was provide value, have an impact. So do something meaningful that I could stand behind and say, I'm making a difference. And when the opportunity came to build out contractors.direct, I knew that I was, I was, you know, this was a bloody mountain to climb. It was a mountain to climb in a region where, you know, the online platform is, is not as prevalent in, in, Europe, for example, but the contract quality isn't as good as what it is in Europe. Finance, the access to finance isn't as easy as what it is in Europe. Yet, perseverance, sleepless nights, tremendously patient and understanding team and wife. Um, you know, here we are, we've come out the other end of the pandemic. Are we cash rich? <laughs> like most of the companies, we are praying that every invoice goes out, gets settled within minutes. Um, but ultimately, what we do have is a potential post-COVID, um, you know, solution for almost every business that exists in the UAE. People don't have to make a choice of, do I need to stay in this excessively large space with a reduced team? You know, uh, because, uh, or do, do, we, do we deplete our cash reserves and, and move to a smaller space? You don't need to do any of those. Come to us, use a contract, to, you know, finance the fit out. And, and take advantage. Yeah, I think, do you know what? It's unbelievable because I think, you know, especially where we are right now, and, and, and it's been like this forever, um, you know, financing and things like that for small businesses uh, or medium-sized businesses is, is near enough impossible. Um, and sometimes the kind of risks associated with it aren't worth, you know, actually going ahead of it. So I think the fact that you have got someone who is trusted like Beehive um, you know, I, I think it's an absolute game changer. But, but what's, what's next, David? What's, uh, I mean, so, you know, you obviously mentioned Kazakhstan and then, you know, that, that's going to be interesting in itself. But I mean, you know, the fact that it's obviously a platform 
you know, it doesn't instantly make it, you know, as scalable as some platforms. It's not like a social media platform, for example. But how, how do you scale that business? How do you kind of take that to the next level now? Um, you know, how do you kind of replicate these relationships that you've built here locally with, with companies and, and financiers elsewhere? So I think um, the, the one thing at the moment that has taken the greatest amount of time, which, which is not that scalable, um, is the, the contractor due diligence, the physical inspections of space. So if, if we were going to attempt to scale massively with the same resource that we have at the moment, there's a lot that we would have to outsource. So to answer your question about what's next, um, one of the people that, that I reached out to, <clears throat> excuse me, during the pandemic when I, and I asked them, what would you do, you know, in, in my shoes? Um, and they, they said, I would look, look at a lean version of what you've got, contractors.direct, and have a look at how you could drop that into the major European cities that were not that affected from a business or a, an economy standpoint, that was not that affected by um, COVID. Because what you might find is, because you, you've created such a unique product here, and because it was so difficult to set up in the first place, the likelihood of that being replicated somewhere else is slim because they would have either run out of patience, they would have run out of money. So, and, and he was absolutely spot on. You know, we had a look at um, the major uh, cities in Germany, um, Paris, Amsterdam. Um, we had a look at Lisbon, uh, London, Manchester, um, Dublin. We had a look at all of those and there was next to little or zero competition. And because we would be dropping in something that has never existed there before, they don't know what the alternative is. So they don't know the fact that in the UAE, a physical human goes out to inspect space and score the quality and everything else. So if we didn't have that one element in those other countries, we could still do everything else. Um, and because the entire system can be fully automated, um, you know, the world is our oyster, you know, not to sound too cliche, um, but there really isn't a territory that we couldn't look at if we felt that that you know from the unit economics it you know it, it would make sense um, <clears throat> I think Saudi is showing huge potential um, the opportunity for a partnership that we have there um, you know assuming that the oil price picks up and, and you know money starts flowing freely again um, you know the opportunity there is significant you know what, whatever we are doing and have done in the UAE you could probably multiply it by 50, 60, maybe even 100 within three years. Um, I love the idea of Kazakhstan. I love the idea of, of, of you know, rolling this out across Europe, but I don't want to run before I can walk. You know, at the moment, we're choosing to speak to every single client because we want to learn who's using this. We want to, you know, ask them, how did you find out about us? Um, what did you like about the platform? What could we change? What could we do different? Um, and also we're learning from the contractor side as well. Was that useful? How could we provide more value to you? Because ultimately they're paying us a service fee to deliver quality and hopefully revenue for them. But how can we do that better? Because right now, and uh, you know, being the first to market for anything, it, you've got your pros and cons, right? You've got the pros because you're first to market and everybody's you know, that needs what you've got is, is gonna come to you and no one else. The downside is 
everybody's going to come to you and no one else. And there's a whole myriad of expectations when people come to contractors.direct, a lot of which we haven't yet, we haven't even bloody thought of. You know, and we're like, geez, how the hell do we tackle that one? Um, you know, but ultimately, <clears throat> people almost always leave with what they came there for, which is qualified contractors. But I think what is important to work for us is to continue to, to spend time understanding our audience, understanding where they shop, how they shop and what they expect. Um, and ultimately, as well as that, continue to work uh, alongside um, you know, talented uh, people like yourself and just help me understand the things from an online and marketing perspective that I don't quite understand and, and you know, help me fine tune what we've got here so that it all, almost becomes a business in a box, you know, kind of like a franchise. The reason why franchises work is because as long as there is footfall or audience and a desire for your product is because it's a, it literally is a business in a box. Here's your starter pack rent the space, go nuts. And until we get to that point, I don't really want to, to, to roll this out overseas because then if you're fixing a problem, you're fixing it twice or three times or four times. I'd rather get to the 95% version in the UAE. And then when we're at 95, just know that whatever changes there are, they're, they're very minor incremental. Yeah. So world domination is obviously on the, on the, on the horizon, but not just yet. Maybe that's a 2022 plan. <laughs> no, I mean that's it's super sensible. Makes 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 so much sense. Um, yeah, Andrew, you got any questions? We've got, we've got about five minutes, guys. If there's any kind of questions that anyone wants to ask, feel free to send them through. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, obviously this this journey that you've been on, especially obviously in the last two years, and you know, I, I think you have an incredible ability to spot opportunities, right? Um, but what, what, what kind of advice would you give to people that are kind of watching or listening, you know, as, as far as they may be in that position at the moment, they've spied an opportunity or, or they're perhaps pivoting because, you know, their current environment isn't quite what it needs to be. I mean, is there any kind of, you know, rock solid pieces or gems that you can pass to these guys and girls out there just to kind of help them make that jump or, or help them along the way, you know, if they're, if they're having a bit of a, a bit of a rough day, as it were, you know? So, honestly, if, if I had to say that, you know, kind of like pinpoint anything, it would literally to be to try and focus on becoming superhuman. Now, that sounds ridiculous, but we can all make changes in our lifestyle and attitude and, and everything else to become better. If you think about what it requires to be a successful entrepreneur or business owner, um, you know, if you are one, then you know, and if you're not, it's flipping tough. Um, give yourself the best chance of, of, of success. Um, you know, equip yourself to be, you know, that, that superhuman, um, you know, entrepreneur so that you can literally take, uh, take on anything. For example, exercise and diet. Um, exercise is super important. Um, you know, it, it wakes your mind up if you exercise in the morning. It gives you the opportunity to listen to podcasts if you're out running. Um, and diet is important as well for being alert and, and, and just general health and well-being. Um, you know, audiobooks. I'm not a massive reader um, as far as kind of like the written word is, is concerned. But I have done the most amount of books during or audiobooks during lockdown. Um, and I've learned more in those six months than I did in my entire academic uh, years, you know. Um, 
build a strong network. I think one of the, the key things for me was spending time, a lot of time with people who had achieved more than me and were achieving more than me. And it just experienced more than me because you can't not learn from people that have, you know, made, you know, choices that have, that have put them in a, 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 you know, a more favorable position than what you might be at the moment. And you don't have to take everybody's opinion. But what's good is that, that if you get everybody's feedback, um, you know, there, there may be a common theme that you think, okay, well, well, maybe I'll go in that direction. It might be something you've never thought before. Um, but ultimately, I think one of the other things is, um, you know, keep your eye on the prize. Like, for example, for me, um, vision boards. Vision boards help a lot. So we, I have a vision board um, in work as far as it's called a one-page plan. Um, so that's gone out of the window for bloody 2020 because we wrote it in January. Um, <clears throat> but ultimately, you know, we're redoing it now. Um, but what it does, it's the milestones that, that, that you as a, a team and an organization achieve quarterly and annually. But also personally, do a vision board for yourself. So a vision board ultimately is a, a, um, a, it's a visual tool that helps you get the motivation when maybe you don't have the motivation to keep going. So on my vision board, you know, there's a beautiful house, um, you know, there's, there's an ideal bank balance, there's holidays, there's everything that when, when I get up in the morning and I think, oh my God, another day of this, and that that was what it was like in the pandemic. You know, you just look at the vision board, you're thankful and grateful that you've got your health and, uh, and everything else and the family around you. And, and it just, you're like, yes, okay, I remember now why I'm doing all this. And it's for the, the bigger picture. But make no mistake, there's no such thing as get rich quick. Um, you know, be a constant student, um, continue to learn, ask questions, be curious, um, and give yourself mentally and physically the best chance of, of success. Yeah, and I think I, I want to kind of add, add a bit to that as well, David, just because I've been working with you now for, you know, nearly two years. But, but essentially, I think one of the things that, one of the reasons why I think you've been successful is that you're you've you do things very quickly, right? And and I think I think that's one of the main parts of this because there's a lot of kind of overthinking that goes on. Should I? Should I not? Should I pick up the phone to this person? Should I not? And and I think um, you know one of the things that you know certainly that I admire about you is that you do that and you're very very good at it. And then I think this, the second thing is is just um, again there's there's just constant kind of innovation. There's you know, there's, right, there's no kind of settling, I guess, right? There's no kind of, okay, look, I've, I've now solved the problem where it comes to contractors and fit out, but now you have, I mean, mate, you, what you're doing is you've, you've just solved a financing issue that's existed in this country forever for small businesses. When it, <laughs> you know, and, you know, but that's what it is, right? Yeah. You know, there, there was no alternative and, and we've yeah, all been through it. <laughs> But, but that's what it, I mean, honestly, that's, there's a lot to be said about that because, you know, for 15 years, we've been here and moving from office to office, same sort of challenges, you know, you can afford X, but you can't afford Y, but you'd want to kind of go for Y. And, and all of a sudden now you've solved a problem for, for companies like ourselves and, and, and much bigger companies as well. And I think, you know, so I think it's, I think it's a combination of those things as well, you know, which I think have been very key ingredients to, to where you've got to today. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, there, there, there's no time like the present. You know, had, had I not or we not taken those steps pre-COVID, 
you know, to, to, to make that significant gain and progress in, in just the months that we were live, I, I, don't, I don't even know where we would be. I don't even know if we would be live now, um, you know, but, but honestly, just spending the right time with the right people um, really does make a difference. You know, e even just going back to Beehive, um, you know, I've, I've, I had the fortune of meeting the CEO and CFO five years ago. I stayed in touch. We get on like a house on fire. Um, and then, you know, lo and behold, when the financing issue came up, I was like, these are the guys I need to go and speak to. And, um, you know, we, we, when we uh, got together in, um, in mid-March or, or, you know, by the time it was end of March, mid-April, um, there was literally no other company that, that I could trust and no leaders of a digital marketing agency that I, that I would put, my, you know, trust my baby with because contractors that direct you know it was my brainchild and it is my baby and good god you know again I, my wife has got the patience of a saint and i love her dearly she allowed uh, allowed wrong choice of words she uh, she, she supported me. uh she she supported me you know when it came to putting in all of our savings um throughout COVID to keep the company going um, you know, and, and now we're coming out the other end. It's now starting to look rosy. But, it, you know, it just even the bloody Kazakhstan thing. But that's a guy that I met five years ago. I haven't seen him for two years, you know. And then, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves in the capital club and we're opening up in Kazakhstan. So, you know, just I think networking is so important. Hold on to the good people. Spend time with the good people, the ones that are, that, that are clever. And, and, you know, their experience allows them to have an opinion that you should consider. I think that, that that's been really important, certainly in the last two years, um, as far as you know, the success that, that we, we've had. So thank you very much again, guys. No, thank, thank you. Thank you as well, David. And look, thanks for coming on the show today. Guys, David mentioned the word clever. We know this man's clever because he's not only thanked his wife twice on this show, but he also thanked his, also thanked his lawyer. And um, so any, any man that kind of gets those kinds of shout outs in a short space of time um, is obviously super intelligent. So look, David, honestly, thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for, um, you know, thanks for being open with your answers. And, and honestly, it was, it, was, it was brilliant. Any, oh, any oh, final kind of word of wisdom, Andrew? See, help, uh, help David increase his network to grow. So, I mean, David, I guess people can find you out there on LinkedIn and, and kind of contractors direct right if they want to kind of get in touch with you. Yes. So um, if you just search on LinkedIn, contractors.direct, um, and we've, we've just started Instagram. We were a bit late to the party on that one. My fault. Um, I think we've, we've got like 10 followers. Um, so if we, could, if we could increase that, because I want to start posting um, all of our project videos uh, onto Instagram as well. So yeah, uh, even the Instagram handle is contractors.direct, nice and simple. Thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks a lot, David. And um, there you go. We just had a message from someone saying you've now got 11 followers, David. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> awesome. Again, thanks a lot for your time. And no uh, problem. Best of luck for the future, David. It's going to be an exciting journey. Yeah, we're, we're kind of thrilled to be a part of it as well. So, Wicked. so yeah, looking forward to it all. Thank you very awesome. much, guys. Thanks a lot, guys. Hope it was useful. You, Take uh, care. Awesome. Andrew, do you want to uh, say, where, where can people watch the show, hear the show? Do you want to kind of... The, um, 
just uh, just a bit of a, a kind of update. You can now listen to our show on the, on the kind of podcast. So if you don't get a chance, you might be listening to it now. You've got to subscribe. We're over there at Apple uh, Podcasts and Google and Anchor and Spotify. These are, so you can jump on there. Uh, plus, obviously, we upload the shows to YouTube. So give us a like and a subscribe over there. But ultimately, you can also find us on digitalnexa.com and connect with, obviously, myself and Abbott on there. We usually get a good amount of interaction on the back of these shows. So um, happy to jump on and have a call or a chat with everyone. Thank you again to David. Uh, fantastic session today. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible to have a person of that caliber on this show. So super, super happy about that. Uh, good show today. And I think next week uh, we are talking HubSpot, right? Because it is inbound today and tomorrow in the US. Um, so I think we've got two days ahead of us of no sleep where the sessions are running until quarter to six in the morning, local time. So I think we're going to be talking about some of the cool stuff that's popped out of there, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a show that normally has about 25,000 people that attend to it, attend it physically. Um, obviously because of uh, COVID, um, it's now a pure kind of online event, but uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting to see how that kind of rolls out as well. So yeah, definitely some sleepless nights, but we'll have some hopefully really kind of good news, uh, good updates and information uh, about what's happening in the kind of HubSpot world and we'll share that next week as well. Awesome. Thanks a lot guys. Thanks for watching. Mm -hmm. See you next week. Yeah, bye. Cheers.